Welcome to this week's Who the Folk podcast. I'm Lonnie Goldsmith, the editor of TC Jew Folk. Today we talk with the very versatile actress Heidi Fellner, who is starring in the Minnesota Jewish Theater Company's performance of The Last Schwartz, which runs until November 11th. We discuss the show, but we also talk about how she goes about making a role her own, keeping it interesting during the run of a show, and some of the very interesting and important work she is doing when she is off stage. All in this week's Who the Folk podcast. Because then when the picture changes, you, it's just anti-magic. You just go up on lines. It just erases everything. So, but I was, I was still, you know, it's, it's funny. I think working live on television uh, has taken me to a, a next level in fudgeability because I've had to save any number of things. And I've been a theater actor for a very long time, but last night a lot of us were quite off the rails, but which is right on time. Okay. We switched spaces, and then we had a cue to cue, and so we didn't run the show for a while. And then um, we were, you know, I saw a lot of deer in the headlights moments, and I was just trying to feed them stuff. And it was so funny. I was just like, okay, <laughs> uh, I, I got you, babe. <laughs> no. Well, better now than before the performance, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Openings, uh, opening weekends are always stressful for actors. I'm sure. Yeah. It, does it ever get old? No. You know, the funniest thing, uh, I was just at a voiceover this morning, okay. and one of the clients was saying, you know, I could never do uh, voiceover, theater, or any live performance because I get stage fright, and I always want to blurt out, you think we don't? Right. I mean, we all get stage fright. It's terrible. It's not like we've got this ability to just... We're not psychopaths. <laughs> I mean, most of us. <laughs> so how do you get past that? How do you sort of block... You, I, I can't imagine you block it out completely, but how do no. you get past that initially? You walk out, you see the audience, and you... It's like, terrifying. Okay, now it's like I'm at my mark, and now it's it's got to click in. How do you... Oh God, I wish, I wish there were a there to get. I mean, I got to tell you every single time and I'm, I'm so terrible. I even, even if I'm doing a trade show, I still get stage fright. It's terrible. And, um, the closest I've been able to do is I really think about this childhood experience I had where, um, I was always very scared of roller coasters. I was scared of most things. And there was this, I would throw it just the hugest fit. Uh, and then there would always be this part where the bar comes down well you're locked in now and there would be this peace that would come over me perhaps like a drowning victim might experience when you just know that you have no there's inevitable what's about to happen to you and a peace comes over you and then you just go well you're about to open a show so that's that then I mean the nerves are there but you just you just go you're locked in so you're going out there and then your feet often will just be like walk 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 and there we are on stage and you have to talk yeah so out that comes and then all of a sudden you're in a show so you're in the show the last schwartz it's the newest show from the minnesota jewish theater company that Mm -hmm. opened on october 20th it runs through november 11th Mm -hmm. and what is your role in the show i play bonnie and she's uh she's a bit of a freak um i think this show is kind of like crimes of the heart only with jews you know, it's it's a dark comedy, and Bonnie's just not having the best day. She's not having a good time. Okay. Mm-hmm. What, where do you draw, whether it's for this particular role or other roles that you've had, where do you like to draw inspiration from as an actor? 
Oh, gosh, it depends. I mean, I do a, a, a lot of variety of work, so um, it just depends on what I need. I mean, sometimes I feel it right away. Sometimes I have to hunt around in the dark for a character. Um, when I'm doing um, acting for mental health situations, YouTube videos are just incredibly helpful, and I steal from there all the time. But for Bonnie... It was just a variety. I mean, it's it's partly a comedy, okay. but there's a, a thread of drama and humanity that runs underneath all of it, which I, I think it's my favorite part of acting is that I just don't think human beings are that different. I think okay. everybody grew up differently and had different experiences and is born into a different body. And so if you can just wrap your brain around that and make the necessary adjustments, you're there. And I think because I have to do that for my job, it's created something that I wish everybody got to experience, which is really putting people, putting yourself in other people's shoes as a matter of understanding how to do that. How to sit there and go, well, I didn't grow up that way, and that didn't happen to me, but what if it did? And, and what if these were the only resources I had? Maybe I'd be just like they are. And, and when you have to do that as a job and that becomes more and more intuitive to you and you get more practiced in it, it comes easier, but it also um, is a wonderful thing in your real life, too. Okay. So you mentioned that you had a voiceover recording <laughs> this morning. Yeah. You're in the middle of... We're recording this right before opening night. So you're in tech mm -hmm. for the show. You're moved into the theater space mm -hmm. at the Highland Park Community Center. Yes. How do you juggle the simultaneous jobs where you go from one thing in the morning to another thing in the afternoon and evening and keeping yourself on on task like that without you know, sort of mixing up your headspace it can a little bit especially since um i think as an actor you get a little bit more used to one person wanting something very different from you than another person wants mm -hmm. but it's always um it's always tempting i think for anybody to retreat to a place of strength and okay. and doing what you know and I think this job always kind of keeps you on the hop so you know I I try to clear my head in between things even if all I'm doing is voiceover all day yeah. there's there are going to be people that kind of want this voice and then there are going to be people who want this and then every now and then there's this right there's that's a totally different ad yeah right and you could walk in there and if I was like hey for a you know dove they'd be like no you're going to have to take that, take that down a bit. <laughs> so I, I try to, um, lately I've been listening to, um, oh gosh, it's a Spanish radio channel and I don't understand a word they're saying. And it's just, it's very palate cleansing. I, that's a very disappointing answer, I know. It's not. It, it, it's surprising. I mean, the not being able to listen to the Spanish station without understanding it. Yeah. Is a little surprising in that well, for me, it would give me a headache. Like I wouldn't, oh. like I'd want to know what's happening right. and I wouldn't know what's happening. But my music is words, right? I suppose. So Very true. If if I'm in my head, then I can't be. And I'm just like, I don't know. They sound happy. <laughs> so how did you what led you to acting? How did you find how did you choose that path or did the path choose you? Uh, okay. So uh I was a little little kid when I knew I wanted to be an actor. Now I was not believed for a very long time. But I was always like, yep, I'm going to be an actor. And they're like, sure you are. And next year you're going to want to be a ballerina. And I was like, no, still the actor thing. Um, 
and I was I was in dance school, but I, I had no aptitude for it. In fact, I was a klutz. So my parents were really hoping it would take, and it just never did. But I, I really tried. Anyway, um, my grandmother volunteered at the Chaska County Jail as a cook. Okay. Okay. Or maybe she was paid. I don't know. And uh, I... I think I got bored in the kitchen. That doesn't surprise me. I got really bored in there, and I wandered around the cells until I found a a captive audience. (laughs) I found a captive audience, and I did a show, man. And I got I got some very sloppy applause from the drunk tank, and I just <laughs> I was just enjoying myself, and I was eventually found and dragged out of there. But I've always wanted to be an actor, and it's not because I think this would surprise a lot of people. I'm an introvert, okay. So I get the stage fright, and I am not a natural. I don't. Sometimes when the spotlight is on Heidi Fellner, that makes me incredibly nervous. In fact, I'm I'm very nervous right now. I'm hoping I'm hiding that. But very well, great. I would you could have not said anything, and I would <laughs> not have known it. Okay, um, so being being somebody else is incredibly comfortable. So, and a lot of us are like that. We're just we're out there because the only way you act and get paid for it is that people come and watch. Yeah. But the pleasure for us is often the process of becoming another person. Okay. It's, it's like permanent Halloween. It's just playing dress-upsies. And we've convinced people that this is a skill we should be paid for. And yet, it's worked. You've That's, convinced here, someone. Here we are. Yes. <laughs> it's funny. I, you said you found a captive audience at the jail. Mm-hmm. Technically, they're all captive. Yes. They had to watch me. They had, they had to. They had no choice. <laughs> so... You grew up, though, in, in western South Dakota. I did. Not a big Jewish community out there? No, I think it was mostly just us, except for the people at Ellsworth Air Force Base. Okay. Mm-hmm. When did you end up in the Twin Cities? I moved here uh, just at the tail end of 1998. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 20 years here. What brought you to the Twin Cities? I always knew I wanted to be an actor, so okay. as soon as I figured out where I wanted to start making that happen. I, I packed up and put things in my car and drove here. That's what I did. Closest big city and here you are. Yeah, basically. Um, not quite the Mary Tyler Moore story, but pretty close. And then, uh, you know, the aim was always to go maybe to New York or L.A. I think I would have loved that kind of career, but I'm also enjoying so much the working stiff actor yeah. career that I have where I do so many different things and I really really like that and then I go home and I have a house and I can go to Target and life is easy here so explain the working stiff actor what does that mean for those who might not have heard that phrase before oh well you know I'm often if I introduce myself I say yeah I'm Heidi I'm I'm an actor and they'll they'll then go and introduce me as here's Heidi Fellner she's an aspiring actress right as if, as if the only goal is to be famous, and if you didn't achieve that, then you're still just aspiring, not real, yeah. right? There's this whole category of working stiff actor, and you've heard me on the radio, I guarantee it. I've interrupted your YouTube surfing with my charming voice. Um, I've been the phone prompt voice. I am sometimes in ads in magazines. I, I did an ad for a gas station a while back. Um, but then there's also... I go down and I work with the Department of Corrections and the law enforcement agencies, and I have been trained um, to 
as realistically as possible portray someone having a mental health crisis or a life crisis, and they have to talk me down without using violence, and I adore it. I just love it. So I go from one thing to the other. And later, then, if you're paying attention, then maybe you're scrolling through shopping channels, and who's there pitching? God knows what. It's me again. It's me. It's me, and I'm talking about, you know, scaly feet or armpit hair and... I mean, that's, that's the job. Um, I have been in some flashier things. I did a movie this past spring. Lawrence Fishburne was in it. I know, right? But in between that, that doesn't happen every single day. Right. And the rest of my life is, well, i got to get that mortgage payment. So here I am. What do you need? It's a hard road if that's where you want to get to. Yeah. But, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here. It sort of feels like, you're very content with the career you've made for yourself so far. Well, it's been a long time coming, the contentment part. Okay. I mean, of course there's that thing in you that's always like, oh, you know, I would love to attain this or do that. But I've also had members of my family that have attained this or done that. And the view from on top is just not what you'd think. Yeah. When it's reported back to me, I kind of think, you know, I enjoy... First of all, if I were some big to-do, I couldn't go down and work in the prisons. No. And I, I couldn't, they wouldn't want me to be as flexible as I can be in voiceover because they'd want me to sound like my star personality. Right. And I wouldn't be able to just run to Target. And I wouldn't be able to live half of my life the way I live it. So there's almost something, I think I've hit some sort of sweet spot and I think it's the maturity talking that I can appreciate it. Well, then you could, if, you know, you did make it, though, then you could be pictured in Us Weekly in one of the stars. They're just like us. They're just like us. <laughs> right. Caught in some schmata with right. my hair in a scrunchie going with a, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's just my Tuesday. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I get to do that whenever I want and no one cares. You mentioned the work you're doing with the Department of Corrections. What is it about that work that is so fulfilling? Because I definitely... Mm -hmm noticed a certain passion in your voice from yeah. when you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. What is it about that work and why do you think that work is so important for, for you to be doing? Well, um, I was attracted to it partly because my dad is a psychologist and worked for the VA oh. and uh, also partly because I grew up afraid of most things oh. and so fear is a, something that I've really had to just push against. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say, oh my God, I'd be so scared to do that. I scream horrible things at prison guards and, and cops. And it's terrifying. But they say, thank you. That was so realistic. They're, they are afraid of me. Um, sometimes they give me a weapon. I, I've gotten talked down off of bridges. And you know what's beautiful about that? When they get really good at that and it clicks and they get that skill, you know that they're going to save somebody's life. And I'm hard on them because that's what they're going to encounter. And until recently, that type of training just was not really that available. There's still a struggle to get funding for it. Normally, when I get paid to be an actor, it's some shtick I'm doing. Yeah. Come see my skit. I hope you get something out of it. I really do. I, I would love that. But it's also, here's a story. Entertain yourself. Buy this product. It'll make your feet nice. I mean, I don't really get to change the world. Yeah normally through my skit skills right. but in this one particular instance i know that people have that have worked with our group have gone on to save people's lives 
and we're addressing a real social need that if you've been hearing about it in the news and they're talking about some of this training, the de-escalation training, sometimes yeah. it's called CIT, yeah. it makes such a huge difference. It is night and day when we get done with our, with our training. And I think there is a real need for that. You know, you, you read the stories of how police and the public interact in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it might come down to the fact of there might be a mental health crisis happening yeah. and they don't recognize it. Well, and when you think about, and, and I'm guilty of this too, you're, you're going about your day uh, and all of a sudden someone is coming up to you and they're screaming and they're talking nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's so terrifying because most of us have had no training in how to respond to it. We don't know what it is. Um, a lot of times it's, well, they're on drugs. Doesn't, not necessarily. Maybe they're off the drugs they need to be on. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And just that putting the bug in, we do sometimes uh, dementia scenarios. Mm. As, as they're going to have more and more encounters with that as our society ages. And it just puts those skills in that not only are they able to figure out what the problem was, which lessens the fear, which lessens the need to control or dominate or revert to training, which is usually weapons-based training. Yeah. We're actually helping them be safer, too, with just skills like, hey, don't get so close. Let's figure out what this is first. Have, have her show your hand, her hands. Yeah. Take them out of the pockets, just so we don't have an emergency later with a sudden movement. And then, right. like just just things like that. Even if no one becomes a mental health expert, I mean, we're certainly not training them to be psychologists. Right. But if that's all it is, less people are going to get hurt. You know, one of the other things you mentioned to me was that um, your you had relatives that survived the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you? use the things that either you learn from them or some of their stories into either your acting or either your work on stage or your work with the Department of Corrections has some of, you know, the the trauma that you you heard of firsthand from them impacted how you go about your work as an actor? I think when you have a family background that has that kind of trauma, so I'll, I'll broaden that to anybody that that resonates sure. with. Um, you already start understanding how important empathy skills are mm-hmm. and that you understand that a lot of people are struggling with something that might not be that visible on the surface. Um, you know, I remember being teased when I was little and my grandfather had died by some of my little school children friends that he was not going to go to heaven. and broke my heart when I was a little kid. I sure. It was really upsetting. And I also grew up listening to my great aunt's stories. She survived Auschwitz and was liberated by the Russians and seeing the tattoo. And I, um, I typed up her memoirs and I've also listened to, um, my grandfather's audio recording and my grandmother's also, which are available through the Shoah foundation. And it's, it's hard to grow up hearing those stories and not, how do I want to put this? I mean, it's scary, but I know for a fact that my great aunt would not want that to be the takeaway. And she said so many times that she did not blame the Germans for what happened to her. That she had, what she did is she said, that's part of human nature. Doesn't that blow your mind? Whoa. I, yeah, that echoes in my mind that this always exists in human nature. And so in our current political climate, I guess I'm, I, Everybody's so surprised and shocked, and I guess I've never felt that way. I'm trying to hear her words in my head, that this is always a part of human nature, 
that she forgave the Germans and did not blame them as a people, that you can't lump a people in like that is the lesson. And that, um, I guess, so that le leads me to want to have empathy for the roles I'm taking on, which leads you to be a better actor. You have to fall in love with your characters a little bit, no matter what. Yeah. I fall in love with my villains, too. You gotta, Otherwise, they're more scary that way. Yeah. If they really believe their villainy. Um, but there's something, have I used it? Absolutely. Um, in just a terrible way every now and then. I mean, if I am involved in a fake hostage scenario, which I have been, I've taken some hostages, people. <laughs> not, not a nice woman. <laughs> I've taken some hostages with my fake prison weapon for the purposes of helping people train for those scenarios. And when the scenario uh, runs, it is that I am paranoid schizophrenic and haven't taken my medication because it is has been adjusted and it has produced some side effects that she doesn't like. Mm -hmm. And so she's gone off of them, but it's fed her paranoia. And that's where I start playing around with being experimented on and feeling like the prison got sucked into some Nazi experiment. And I use all of those stories and it's terrible. Yeah. But when you're doing improv with somebody like this, I can rattle on about that. Like I've got Nazi data just streaming out of my mouth and it's horrifying to them, but it's a good example of how deep that imagery is mm -hmm. and how affecting it is. And if they can swim through that and, and ask me the tough questions about so I think I heard you say that you haven't been taking your medication, right? Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So I, I use it. I do use it, absolutely. Wow. That's intense. How do, you, how do you just, like, go back to normal life after that? You, mm. you, you, you leave and you, you go yeah. home and pour a glass of wine and... Or whatever you do to relax at the end of the day. Like. Well, for sure. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, the first times I, first few times I did it, especially bridge jumping scenarios, yeah. it wore me out. It wore me out, and I was driving home just exhausted and about went to bed. And after I started doing it longer, um, I got used to it. And then I started thinking this thought. Because <sighs> it's gotten easier for me. It's gotten easier for me to go there and then not go there, and mm -hmm. then go there. And I, I started reverse engineering that, and I thought, you know, I think most of us spend so much of our mental energy and our physical energy trying to not be emotionally affected by things and trying to put up a veneer of what's expected out of us and trying not to cry when we see something beautiful or moving or touching or sad. We try not to cry so much to the point where I think we withhold our heart from people because we don't want the veneer to crack mm -hmm. and and I'm a little bit more like since I crack that now willingly for the forces of justice and I see how beautiful it can be I'm a little bit more like why on earth it's it's so beautiful and powerful when it happens it's actually so effective yeah. that I'm kind of coming the other way and I've always been a crier. I've always been ashamed of it. Now the funny thing is it's something that people pay me for and say, how do you do that? Someone thought my mucus was fake when I was working in the prison because I'm a snotter. Oh. <laughs> I'm not You're an attractive messy, crier. Messy crier. No, a messy crier. Just <laughs> handfuls of snot just dripping. They're like, how did, you, how did you do that? Wow. That was so powerful. And now I'm just like, sometimes your greatest strengths we've been told to be ashamed of or we pull back from it and we pull back our hearts and we I think 
I've, I've been so moved by this experience to have someone say that was so beautiful when you did that. Because to me, I just felt like, oh God, I'm so ashamed. So I'm trying to bravely start living a little bit more that way. I mean, it's <laughs> just not the America I know, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to steer my ship and, and be brave and say, yeah, I got touched by that penguin video. Got me right in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds, it sounds like you're in your work too, you're doing all kinds of things, whether it's stuff on stage or the stuff at the prisons where you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. And yeah. I think that's part of what being an actor is though, right? All, all the time. I mean, it's all the time. Yeah. It's constant. Yeah. But I would recommend that. I really would. Yeah. I mean, I think so many people have told me, and it's usually because they find out I'm an actor, and then they say, I couldn't because I have stage fright, and I want to just liberate them and say, we all do. Yeah. Join the human race, man. You know, we all have so much fear, and I, I do feel like, um, I think you should do one thing you're scared of at least a year. Mm-hmm. You know, something you've always wanted to do, but gosh, you think you'd be afraid. So, yeah, so what? So you're afraid. Everybody is. It's okay. Yeah. Stop hiding it. It's okay, you know? But I think it expands your life. And I think then when you see someone else being brave and in their fear, it makes you more empathetic because you have stood there as opposed to avoiding it. Good advice for life. <laughs> well, gosh, you know, I, I have not really intended to turn like some sort of bizarro life coach because uh, I'm in, certainly in no position. But um, all I can but say I is it's made my life better. Well, it has. And it's you take your life experiences and you, you sort of pass that on to people. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, and you do it through your acting is you, you pass on that character yeah. to people and that joy that people get when they see you on stage. It's sort of the same thing. Well, geez, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's definitely the goal. And I do think this show has a lot to offer for so many people. I mean, it's it makes people laugh. It's gonna get you, you know. Um, it's it's very human. It's um, it's it's all the humanity, but stripped of dignity, in a way so that oh. we can laugh and and see characters that are imperfect and are struggling, and uh, I, I find it a, f- a fun little show. Very interesting. This is a show I'm not bored with. Well, that's good. Yeah. There's always going to be another level and another level, and I'm really excited to find through the course of the run where we're going to start going because the cast is um, is going to be strong for this, and we like to play with each other. So we're a cast of players, and I don't know if this is too geeky or... No, bring it. That's okay. great. So sometimes you get in a show, and some people like to start putting it on autopilot yeah. every now and then, and certainly there are shows where that's kind of what you need to do right. and just do your job. But I love working with people on stage that are always alive and always with you. And if you decide to throw them a little something that they're going to lob it right back at you. And uh, that it's always going to be, I think a very alive show that's going to shift and change and not be exactly the same every night. That's kind of cool though. There's an electricity to it that I think is if you haven't had that kind of a production right. where it feels very much like you can feel the actors kind of going, oh, what? You know, there's, you feel very alive and it feels, the air feels kind of crispy. Like, what's happening? What's happening? And I think it make, keeps it interesting for you over the three-week run, is, you know, particularly, particularly of this show, uh-huh. um, where it, does, it keeps it interesting. So, you, so, you, so yeah. you never have to feel like you're going to autopilot. 
No, you're but I just muddling through. I can't describe when I'm in the audience how different that feels. Yeah. When you feel that electricity between the actors of like, we are we're in this, and our relationships are not in stone. They're not. It it might be a little bit uh, more one way or the other way one night, and and that's going to evolve and change. But it's never going to be like, and here's how I say this. Da, 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 da. You know, like how if you've ever been to one of the Disney parks and you go on the Jungle Cruise, how it can start getting a little and next up, da, 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 da. Uh, and you just are like, okay, all, all right, I see where this is going, yeah. right? But but it's that it's that playing for that absolute tiniest little moment where all of a sudden the play just shifted and you can feel it in the air, and it, and when you're in the audience and that happens, it's like I've heard this, the collective. Uh, shifting as people lean in yeah. and are like, oh, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun as an actor to oh, hear I'm that. I'm sure. Yeah. So when The Last Schwartz is done, do you have the next and the next and the next booked? Or? No. Um, well, I have one next. I have one next. Um, so after this, well, actually concurrent, oh. I'm also... My night's off from this. I'm rehearsing another show. It's just terrible. I, I you know, you got to take it when it comes. I suppose. Um, I'm doing uh, a piece from the Remembrance Project, which is a collection of plays um, to talk about Alzheimer's and dementia issues. Mm. And um, they're very short. And we have been uh, a few years ago. We a group of us performed those throughout the community and then we did some audience talk back and it was designed to facilitate really good discussions about caregiving and resources and people came from all over and it was really really helpful for people that this had landed in their lap so that's very that's very cool mm -hmm. i think so i mean it's an important project it seems like yeah i mean my nana harta fellner uh, just passed this past spring, and she was nearing 102. Wow. And had been suffering from dementia only for the past few years. So mm-hmm. really, we got so, I mean, yeah, honestly. So. She said she talked to her sister, the Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Oh, I was just on the phone with her. And you go, I, I hope you were. That's wonderful. Um, you know, she, uh, <laughs> my joke about her is you could tell that the disease was affecting her more because her insults made less sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh, fiery yeah. at, yes. at 102. Yeah, oh, very much. And okay. a bridge player. I mean, not at the end, but yeah. oh, yeah. Very, okay. very. She had her cards to right. play, I'll say. Yeah. So, well, that's very, uh, well, that's great that you, I suppose you've always got to keep looking as an actor. You always got to keep looking to the next, you know. Yeah, it's hard to manage your schedule a little bit, uh, and you always feel the need to say yes to things because right now I'm on a hot streak, and I'm just I I've got the golden touch. I don't know, whatever. But you you know, next month all of a sudden it could be anyone need an actor? Hello, like you just never know. So I try to take it when it comes. Fall is often a busy time because companies are hiring a lot more of us to do voiceover and things like that for the Christmas ads. Oh, say so, holiday time's yeah, coming up. Holidays, and yeah. Listen, mm-hmm. yeah. you strike while the iron's hot, as they say. Yeah, so... Um, I'm sure there's other cliches I could have used too, but... I'm <laughs> actually looking forward to, though, getting this show open and uh, just settling into that sweet spot of normalcy and 
everyday work and stiff actor work that that um, I really have fallen in love with the the normalcy of it. Oh, very cool. Well, last couple questions, and we'll yeah, let you great. get on with your day. Um, your favorite Jewish holiday? Oh gosh, well Passover because it's the only one we really celebrated growing up. I didn't grow up with the presence of that Jewish community. Yeah. So we, we were just this island, you know, yeah. so I didn't, we didn't have a temple in, yeah. you know, so it was just, um, I remember uh, celebrating Passover and I really, really liked it. I liked the hiding the matzah. I thought that was so fun. Um, but yeah, we were just kind of, I don't know. And my mother's not Jewish, so we're we're kind of messiah neutral. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? We were inter inter messiah. Sure. I don't know. We we made it work. It okay. was it was just fine. All right. And no no one objected to anybody. Well, that's good. More people should object. I, it's just I mean, of all the things to make a really big deal out of, you know what I mean? Yeah. When there's so much common ground. I mean, it's just that I guess that's my point of view. No, I should, I- more people should embrace that. Uh, and favorite Jewish food? Oh, matzo ball soup. Okay. I make a pretty decent matzo yeah? ball soup. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With my own stock, thank you very much. <laughs> and, um, no, I'm very proud of it. My mother taught me. And uh, it's my favorite. What's not to love? Heidi Feldner, thank you for joining <laughs> us this week. We appreciate it. And, and uh, break a leg with the show. It is playing at the Highland Park Community Center until November 11th. And we'll have information on the on the website for how you can find tickets. So Great. thank you for joining us. You're so welcome. Thanks so much to Heidi Fellner for joining us this week on the podcast. For more information on the Lash Schwartz, please click on the link in the show notes or on the website. We have details also on the community calendar on tcjufolk.com. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps Others find the show. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, pretty much every place you find podcasts these days. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.